I have a sermon for you, and uh, I title it, The Song. Can you get it up? The Song. Because I couldn't get this song out of my head, okay? And I just had to preach on the song. But that's the way God deals with me. He puts something in my head, and uh, I usually look for him through the week. What are you doing? What do you want me to talk about? And uh, what do you have for me and for your people? We need fresh bread. Give me something. And he is very faithful. I don't have to fret about it. In a short time, he let me know, and I'm working on it. Sometimes through the week, I'm carrying it in my head and asking him more questions. But this, this is what I believe the Lord has for us today. Uh, and I titled it The Song, because I couldn't get this song out of my head. So we'll hear about the song this morning. Amen. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it, but <laughs> so I don't offend some people. Okay, now <laughs> Because some of us, we sing unto the Lord, and the rest of us, we make joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Father, I just want to thank you. Speak to us today. And minister to our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, there are in life just two great interests on foot. In the world. Just two great in, interests. There is the interest of God. And then there is the interest of the devil. There is the interest of sin and wickedness. And then there is the interest of truth and righteousness. Now the God that created the whole universe. Has not allowed any human being on the earth. To stay in the middle. You have to take one side. There's no middle ground. He said that you are on the side of sin and wickedness. Which is the side of the devil. Or you are on the side of truth and righteousness. The side of God. So there's no middle ground. You can't live on this earth and be on the middle, in the middle ground. There's no way. God is not allowed that. You make a choice in your life what side you want to be. You can make the choice by saying it. You can just make that choice by the way you live and by your actions. You've made a choice. God is going to respect that choice and you stay with it. There is no middle ground. Jesus puts it this way. He says, if you are not gathering with me, you're scattering. So if you are not with him working in the kingdom of God, as far as he's concerned, you are against him. If you are not for me, you are against me. So there is no middle ground. If you're not worshiping God, you are not going to church and doing what God wants, guess what? You're fighting God. Whether you realize it or not, that's the way he sees it. So there, there's, no, there's no middle ground on it. And this is the way Moses puts it in Exodus chapter 32, verse 26. He says, you know, Moses just got down from the mountain. He got the tablets in his hand, the Ten Commandments, and they were worshiping idols. He got very upset, threw the, the tablets down. They were broken. And then he stood in the way and he said, everyone who is on God's side... Come and join me. He declared, I am on God's side, and if you are on God's side, you come and join with me. And the Levites joined with him. 
So that cry is still going out today. The cry, if you want to be on God's side, you come, on the, come to this side. Or if you don't, if you don't move, you are on the other side. So really, to be on God's side, you have to move to where God is. If you stay where you are, you haven't moved. You are on the other side. And when you are on the other side, God sees you as an enemy. And it's not a cool thing to be an enemy of God. It's like a preacher put it here. He'll fight you. Even in your sleep, he'll fight you. So that's what it is. Now Joshua says, choose you this day. Choose for yourself this very day whom you will serve. You have to make that choice. And you make the choice today. You can make that choice today. This is your day. Make that choice today. The one whom you want to serve. But he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You, husband, wife, you have to make that choice. You and your house. It's a decision that you have to make. And God will respect that decision. If you decide, no, I don't want God in my life, I'll try go near him a little bit. God says, no, no, it doesn't work that way. If you want to come, you come with everything. Jesus said, if a man will follow me, he should, must deny himself, deny his own life. In actual, in a, what he's actually saying is you must die to yourself, die to your ambitions, die to everything if you are going to follow him. No middle ground. But let me show you something that is painfully interesting. Very, very interesting. In every life, there, God, I believe, has given you one hour, an hour. There is an hour for every life. For every life, there is an hour. Jesus had in his life what he described, or what the scripture described as his how. His how. In John chapter... 7 verse 30 the, the scripture says they sought to take him they wanted to kill him because of all the things that he's been doing they sought to take him but no one lay hands on him because his hour had not come so Jesus knew he had an hour now if you want to think about Jesus and his hour we'll think about the hour of his birth Jesus didn't call the hour of his birth his hour that was our hour the angels rejoiced when he was born but that was in Jesus's hour Jesus knew he had this one hour and he lived to come to that hour that hour for every life there is an hour what you do during that hour will determine your destiny will determine your eternal destiny yes just that hour. Jesus talked about this hour. Now also in John chapter 8, verse 20, the Bible talks also about that particular hour. He said they could not lay hand on him. They wanted to take him because Jesus was telling them he came from his father. And they wanted to take him. He said, but no one lay hands on him because his hour had not come. Until that hour, what is going to happen? When the hour comes, you got to make a decision. 
what you're going to do. Now, I said painfully interesting about Jesus' hour that he looked forward to. Now, if you go to John chapter 12, I believe verse 23, Jesus himself said, the hour had come. He was getting close to go to the cross. That the Son of Man be glorified. He said the hour had come. So it wasn't a fun hour for him. It was a very bitter hour. It wasn't a sweet hour for the Lord. And yet he was born for that hour. All his life, everything he had done was to wait for that hour. And the Bible continually told us about this one hour. This hour for Jesus. Now if you read in in John chapter 12 verse 27. Jesus said uh, this was after some Greeks wanted to see him. Because they had heard about him. They came in and they worshipped God in Jerusalem. And they had heard about this Jesus. And they wanted to see Jesus. They went to Philip. Then they went to Andrew. And then they all went to Jesus. And when when they came in, Jesus heard about this, and Jesus started speaking to his father. He started speaking to them. And he said this in John chapter 12, verse 27. He says, now my soul is troubled, not my mind. The depth of his being. This is God now. This is the son of God. He says, now at this point, my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. That was the hour that he came for. Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. He came for that hour. You also, as a believer, you also, as a human being, God has given you one hour, an hour that will define your life here on earth and in eternity. What you do at that hour is going to define it. What's going to happen to your life. The decision you make in that hour is going to define what's going to happen to you here on earth and through eternity. The strength of that decision will carry you through this earth and through eternity if it's the right decision. Now, if it's the terrible decision, that the strength of that decision will carry you through this life in the negative, and when it's all over, you'll regret you were born. This was a bitter hour for the Lord. He said, my soul deeply troubled. And then we have a a more insight into what he was feeling when he entered into his hour. Because after after he said in verse 23, the hour has come. This is the time now. After he said that, then he started saying, my soul is deeply troubled. And you have an insight in Mark chapter 14, verse 33 and 34. After Jesus had the communion with them. He said, he, the Bible says he took Peter, James, and John with him. He left the others and began to be troubled. Again, the word trouble is mentioned. <laughs> this is his hour. Began to be troubled. He said, that hour had come. And deeply distressed. Have you ever been in distress? I have been there. When it seems, it's like the whole world, everything has come on me. He says, there's no way out. And you're so troubled. 
<laughs> if you felt that, Jesus felt more. The whole world, the whole universe was on him. And in the negative, in this case. And he was doing it for you and for me. It was very painful experience. He got into his hour. And uh, it's hard to understand. That God himself at this time was looking to men for some help. He asked Peter, James, and John, you come. I need to pray. I'm in real trouble here. I am distressed, seriously, deep inside my soul. He says, I want you to pray with me. Pray. What could they do? What help could they offer? Jesus was doing this for us. For us. And if you, if you don't understand, when I realized that Jesus was the same God that created me, that changed my thinking. I couldn't believe it. I thought Jesus was just a good man that became son of God, you know. But when I found out that God is one, and that was God going through that for me, and I had been living my life like a madman doing whatever I wanted, I was frightened. I couldn't believe it. My thoughts were, what if I had died before now? Then it means I will have to face him, God, who went through this. He said, I am greatly distressed, the Bible says. He began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. I think about it. Notice his mind. My soul, the depth of my being, that's the depth of God, exceedingly sorrowful. Have you ever experienced sorrow? That God was experiencing this for us. And this was bothering me today. Why Christians, and that's what I said last Sunday, we forget so quickly what he went through for us and we are just sitting down doing whatever we like. People don't, they, it's only when they go to church when they feel like it. No sacrifice. Are you on his side? No sacrifice, nothing. You just walk as if there is no God. You don't realize you're just a man. You could die anytime. And you have to face him. What sacrifice have you made for him? He gave his whole life. He said, for this hour I came. For this hour. Why? He was born to have sorrows so deep. And the Bible tells us in Luke 22 verse 44, in that sorrow as he prayed, he said he prayed more fervently. He was hoping his disciples that were on his side, they were helping this prayer. He was sweating blood. In my entire life, I've never seen anybody sweat blood. And the Bible can align. So Jesus went through all of that. You can imagine, and then here I am as a believer. I claim to be on his side, and then you're living the way you like. 
No care about the God. You're going to face him someday. Whose side are you on? You have to deal with him. Jesus, God, there is only one judge. Jesus said, the father loved the son. He's given him the right to judge every man because he was the son of man. You're going to face him on that day with everything he went through and you lived for yourself, doing what you please. And you're going to deal with him that day and then you deal with him for eternity. What a great trick. And I think the greatest trouble is going to be those that, are, who, that were in church and didn't follow through. Doing things, all kinds of crazy stuff. Not following the lamb. With everything that they got. Playing games. <laughs> and not being sincere in their heart towards him. Now, he says in the, in the word, those that sin against the covenant. He will make them to be deceived. He will allow them to be deceived. So you have false security because you are sinning against God's covenant. So there's a song. Whose side are you on? And if you are on the side, his side, he had these disciples, his friends on his side and he wanted them to pray for him. They went to sleep. But at least they were willing. To go with him. And put their little. Whatever they had. To help in the situation. But what about you? What have you done? Are you on his side? Are you on God's side? Or the other side? If you are on God's side. Then you must have lost your own life. You're living for him now. The Bible says. Don't you realize. You are bought with a price. If you are bought with the price, you no longer belong to yourself. You belong to him. Why are you living like you belong to yourself? He bought you. This is God now. You ought to live for him. And he gives you freedom. And he came to give you the best in life. If you live for him, it's a good thing if you work with a great employer. He take care of you. So everyone has to examine him. Himself or herself. You really need to examine what's going on. Whose side are you? The way you're living. Are you sure you are on his side? I know you call yourself a believer. Are you sure you are on his side? Does he recognize that you are on his side? Have you really moved? Have you moved your position? Have you changed your mind? Are you still the same person? If you are with him, there's got to be some changes in your life. If there are no changes, something is not right. You haven't moved. If you move, you will have a new location. There's got to be something. There's got to be life in you. And life towards God. If you are dead, you don't respond to God. How could you have his life? There is nothing there. Let's not deceive ourselves. This is not about having a great church. This is about heaven and hell. This is about serving God. We need to realize this. Whose side are you on? What are you doing to show that you are on his side? What are you doing? What am I doing? And I mean, just, just for you, but I believe it's for me as well. What am I doing to show God that? You see, God is a show me God. He's not, you can tell him all you want. What you want to say from your mouth, it doesn't matter to him. He said they speak with, my mouth, with their mouth, they honor me, but their heart's far from me. He knows that. He knows that. 
Honor him with your lips and honor him also with your life. That's what the word says. And for the Ark Fellowship, we want to do everything to honor him. Amen. So everyone needs to examine. You need to examine your own heart. Determine whose side you are on and what you're going to do. The song written by uh, Francis Evergirl, that was the song, it has the same, same question we're asking today. Who is on the Lord's side? Are you on the Lord's side? This is what is this song, that this song goes. Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the king? See, many people worship God. God is not just looking for worshipers alone. Jesus said in his temptation, he said to the devil that we must worship God and we must serve God. There is it's not just worship alone, there is service. It is written, you must worship the Lord your God, just him alone, and then you must serve him. Him must you serve. Most people like to worship God because it's a feel we go to church on Sunday morning, we raise our hands, we worship the Lord, but that's not where to stop. God says you must serve him. So what are you doing to serve him? In the church there are a lot of things to be done in the church. A lot of things. Have you found your place yet? What assignment has God given to you? You must worship the Lord your God, and Him alone you must serve. So what will you serve? And I know you worship God, but where's your service? Where's your service? Is God aware of your service? What are you doing for Him? Jesus worshipped God, but He served God. He worshipped God, He served God by serving us. And also giving His own life for us. That's how He served His God. He said, I don't do anything except what I see him do. I don't say any word except what I hear him say. He says, my food is to finish the work that he's given to me. What was his food? To bring people to his father. He served his God. He said, this is what the word says. Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the king? Who will be his helpers? Other lives to bring. Who will be his helpers? God needs my help. Yes. He's no new news. God needs your help. Are you helping him? Are you helping God in the earth? Jesus is no longer here. When he was here, the people flocked to him. He had compassion on them. He ministered to them. When he left, he said, I'm giving that ministry over to you. You do it now. What are you doing? Just worshiping God? That's good. But what are you, how are you serving? Are you bringing other lives to him? That's why Jesus came. He died so that he will bring many sons, many daughters unto God. Have you helped him in that? Are you really on his side? I mean, it's, I'm tired of hearing Christians talking about once saved, always saved. What is that to you if you are busy trying to get people to, to God? That's just meaningless. 
Why would you be concerned about that? That means you're, you're thinking, well, I, I will go, I'm going to try and go as close as I can to sin and still make it to heaven. Well, if you're busy with this, how can you be serving him and doing something for him? You're too busy with trying to walk the fence and making sure you don't slide to the other side. That's stupid. There's more to do for God. There's more to do for God. Jesus needs these three individuals to pray for him. Are you his friend? Will he invite you to come and be with him and help him in his hour of sorrows? Will he invite you or leave you out? Now there's something interesting. Why Jesus was out there praying and these guys attempting to pray with him, there was also another one of his disciples that was on the other side betraying him. Which one are you? Which one are you? Just because you walk with him don't mean you, you won't betray him. Just because God has used you for, with sign, to perform signs doesn't mean you won't betray him. Judas did the same thing. And many say, hey, when you have 12, one of them is going to be a Judas. Well, I don't want to be that one. I just don't want to be that one. I know this is not a fun message, but see, something is happening in our country. We are moving away slowly from God, and people are not even, Christians are not even concerned about what's going on. They are even a part of it. They are a part of it. It used to be on Sundays, <laughs> daddy and mommy, it's church then, but not today. The kids are seeing a different example. And we say we are on the lost side. The reason is what I was telling us last Sunday, we have forgotten. We, we forget so quickly. We forget. There are things that we must never forget. There are things that we must never forget. When we were in Nigeria bringing lives to, 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 to helping the Lord to bring people into the kingdom and staying focused on that, that's my life's mission. I don't work, try to make a living, but I got to get people into the kingdom. A lot of people say, well, you're spending so much money building this stuff in Nigeria. I'm not trying to make a statement. I want to win souls for Christ. I want to help. I want to help the master. In the little help I can offer in this great scheme that the Lord has on the earth. So there are things that we must never forget. If you are going to be on the side, don't forget the Father's love for you. Don't forget that. But as you, do, as you stay focused on that and you're happy because of his love, remember, he loves them too. Remember that. Jesus made it clear. He said, what man is it that has a hundred sheep and one is lost and does not live in the remaining 99? He loves them out there too. He can't reach them. He needs you. 
you have to be his mouthpiece. The love is available, but he needs you to go out there. You have to bring them in. He's waiting. He's waiting. That's the first thing. Seven things I want to share. You must, we must never forget because when you forget, you will be disloyal to him. And then you betray him. Like I said last Sunday. Second thing, don't forget the Lord's sacrifice. We already talked about what Jesus went through. If you are on his side, you never want to forget. You know what Jesus said? He said to his disciples, every time you have this communion, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. What would they be thinking if they are having communion? They are thinking about what he suffered. What they saw with their own eyes. I think many of us think, oh, Jesus sweated blood and then wiped it off before he went to his disciples. I'm sure when he went to them, they saw blood. And they're wondering what happened. They saw his pain. His birth pain. To give birth to us. He said, I don't want you to forget that. Because of them. The thing is, you must decide, if you're a child of God, decide if you are going to allow the blood of Jesus to be shed in vain. If you are called and you are on God's side, are you going to allow the blood of God himself to be shed in vain when you can do something about it? That's the whole thing. That's the thing that should drive us. Whether we are building church, whatever we're building a church, whatever we're doing. If you are on God's side and you're living for God, the blood of Jesus, some people will go to hell. For sure, no doubt. The reason is because nobody, some of us refuse to say anything to them. I think you have to make it your life. I'm going to live this life. I'm going to make sure... The blood of Jesus is not in vain. Nothing this life, I'll do whatever it takes. Do not forget the Lord's sacrifice. Don't forget it. Third thing, don't forget who you were. What you were like before Jesus found you. I still remember. I still remember to today. So remember, and uh, like I said, frightened if I had died before I found out about Jesus. I was really frightened about that. People don't, they don't fear anymore. You sleep into eternity without Christ, you will regret for eternity. Jesus said it were better if you were not born at all. If you, if you never became life, a life, a life on this earth, it were better. Than for you to actually live as a human being here and then come under the blood of Jesus. That would be really rough. Now, one thing that I do know when you get to heaven, possibly a lot of things you will forget. But when you get into eternity, you won't forget anything that has to do with Jesus. You won't forget it. You will never. And if you had the opportunity to make a decision for Him, and you chose otherwise, for eternity, that thing would dog you. Because you had a chance to, be, to escape. And you made the wrong choice. 
Now you have to deal with it forever and ever. You know, one of the things that drove me to Christianity, I said I needed Jesus. I didn't want to go to hell. It's just the truth. I wasn't concerned about righteousness. or any. I just didn't want to go to that place where there's fire. I just didn't want to go there. I'm telling you the truth. I wasn't concerned. Just tell me what I can do so I don't have to go to that place. And what was primary in my mind was, uh, I asked the question, when, I mean, tell me, preacher, you mean if you go in there, there is not going to be one day that God is going to feel sorry for you and let you have a little fun and let you come out? He said, no, sir, now you stay there forever. And you mean you can't die? No. You mean you feel for fire? Oh, yes, and you'll be there forever? I said, I don't think I want to go there. How do I escape? Tell me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. He said, you don't have to run around these ladies anymore. Yes, that's out now. Anything more? Tell me. Let me follow. And it's been over 33 years. Don't forget who, what, what you were. When you forget, I know what I used to be like. I knew the oppression. I said it last Sunday. When I gave my life to Christ, because I had been in voodoo practice with doctors and all of that. I know you Americans never worshipped before idols. But I worshipped before idols when I was a kid. And they had this uh, idol standing up there with a crooked nose. And they're saying, bow down and worship. And I look at him with the, 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 wood, the carved image with crooked nose. I said, well, how can that be God? He's ugly. And uh, we can, <laughs> you can worship this. How can I worship this? He doesn't even talk. He doesn't even blink his eyes. His eyes are always open. What kind of God is this? And, uh, but those things allowed demonic forces into my life. They were doing it for a reason. And when I came into Christ to free myself from that, it was really oppressive. It was tough for me. And I remember, and that, that's one of the reasons I believe God is directing our church us to Nigeria so these people can be free. I said it last Sunday. Many of the people that came said, we have these things moving around our bodies. How many of you felt that he just told, told you that? And it's demonic forces are moving around them. And I felt that when I came to Christ, and I didn't know how to get rid of them. And it troubled me for maybe two, three years. It was, a, it was an oppressive thing. When something is moving around your body and you can feel it move, and I'm not kidding you, you feel it move, and you know this is not God, what do you do with it? Now, I went through that. I, want, I don't want anybody else to go through that. No. When I'm praying with somebody and they tell me that, I get mad. And I tell the devil, you better, you're getting out today. And this is the hour you're coming out. When you forget, you won't reach out to people. So we need to remember what we were like before we found Christ. Then remember that there were people that helped you. Remember that people helped you also. People came to you. Have you done the same? I remember the fellow that came to me. His name Samuel. I told him very clearly. I said, you don't know the guy you're dealing with. If there's a wicked man, this is the worst of them. I'm just too wicked to be a Christian, I told him. He said, yes, you can be like me. I said, there is no way in this world I can be like you. I mean, you sing glory, hallelujah, all the time. I will be ashamed to be singing glory, hallelujah in the public. That's not me. I can't do that. 
He said, you go, yeah, you, you can become like me. I said, no, no way. But I loved him and enjoy, enjoyed his uh, uh, friendship. And he invited me to church. And I'll go with him to church. That's when I heard somebody praying tongues for the first time. I said to myself, boy, these are holy people of God. He says, you can be one of us. I said, no, I'm not holy. I can't do this. But he stayed with me. Someone will come to me in the morning. I want you to be with me in church today. And I'm thinking, I'm, if I go to church, I will be the dirtiest person among you guys. I will pollute the whole place. I don't want to go. Because I knew his life. But I went with him until slowly my eyes started to get open. And Samuel was with me all the way with all my struggles. As I was asked questions and, and, and the demonic things and all of that, he was encouraging me. I have to do that for my brother. I have to do that for somebody else. I can't forget what I went through. Have you forgotten where you were? As you slack back now and you're not doing what God called you to do? You need to remember. That's why God wants you to remember these things. Don't forget. We have to also remember the fifth thing that these people are being blinded by Satan himself. Satan is blinded them. And it's your responsibility to open their eyes. You are the light of the world. That means without you, there is no light. If you hide your light and you're not shining your light, they can't see God. Jesus was clear, and my wife alluded to that. I have given you the keys of the kingdom. I have given you the keys of the kingdom. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth is loosed in heaven. You got a family member that don't know Jesus? You got the light, you got the keys. Open the door through your prayer and intercession. Call on God. Refuse to let the devil will give in. He will give in. But if you sit back unconcerned, you are not thinking about the master, you are not thinking about serving him. When you serve them, you serve him. They are bound. Now you remember the parable of the good Samaritan? That guy laying there was wounded and robbed. That's your neighbor. That's your neighbor in that parable. We always focus on the priest that went the wrong way and the Levite. And then the good Samaritan, how good he was. Well, the wounded guy, that's your neighbor. The Satan is wounded and stolen from your neighbor. He's laying down there wounded, blind, going to be destroyed. And you're there watching it. Or you walk that way. Or whose side are you on? Sometimes, you know, he's wounded. Uh, I don't want to disturb him. I'll let him. I don't want to offend him. He's already wounded. How could you offend a wounded man? He's already wounded. He's bleeding. And we think about that in the natural. I don't want to offend him. Yeah, so I'll I, I keep it to myself. Okay. No. He's wounded. We have to reach out for these people. The good Samaritan. The same thing somebody did for you. When they came to you 
as a believer, they came to you, they, 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 they took care of you, took care of your wounds, put you in the end, they paid for it, they took care of you, now you're well, and then you're forgotten. And now you see your neighbor, and you're going to do nothing about it, only to go to church and say glory to God on Sunday. There's more to this. The people need us. And we really need to get out and do them. There is also a potential for a great life. When you walk on the Lord's side, there is a potential for a great life. And I always have that in focus. If Jesus tarries, some of the young people, some of the people that you've reached in your life, they will come to God. Somebody reached Billy Graham. Huh? He wasn't born a Christian from his mother's womb, right? <laughs> Somebody reached him. And look at what became of that man. Just because someone was willing to care. To bring Jesus to him. Look, the whole world. And not only that, it doesn't stop there. He goes on. Look at Billy Graham's son. He's reaching out to the world today. After his father. Going from one generation to the other. You take the key. You lock the door. They come out. And the whole generations follow after. Somebody who is a nobody. Today. He's known. Because of what God has done in his life. You can do that. By reaching out to people. Then we must also remember eternity. And I've alluded to that. One day, young or old. Sometimes young people think, I'm okay. I can never die. I'm young. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. These days, uh, now that I'm over 50, when I was 16, 50 was really old. Now, 60 is young for me. <laughs> mm. It's pretty young for me. If you die at 60, I say, what happened to him? I was young. But my daughter says, Daddy, you're old. <laughs> Sometimes I don't feel it, but if I, if I get up from bed too fast, the body will tell me, you know, not that fast. <laughs> Hey, cut it out. <laughs> but whether you like it or not, death comes. When you finish, it's over. It's over. What are you going to do? There is eternity. You spend... You know, you work for a living. You want to make your life great. If you leave this world, whatever you've done here is going to determine your status when you get up there. Realize it. It will never change. I said, James and John, they had insight. Most people don't have. They knew they would be one on the right and one on the left of the Lord Jesus. They knew. 
And Jesus understood what they were asking for. And he asked them. He said, you don't know what you're, you know, you don't know what you're asking for. To be on my right and my left, that's a privileged position. Think about it. You on my right, what about Moses? What about Abraham? What about, you don't know what you're asking for. These are privileged positions to be. Just because I'm your friend, that's me talking, okay? Just because I'm your friend, doesn't mean you can, you can see it. But they wanted it. Amen? They said, yeah. Jesus said, are you able to drink of the cup? You know what cup he was talking about? Cup of suffering. Being on his side. And they said, yes, Lord. Yes, we will drink. And Jesus said, yeah. Yeah. I know you'll drink. I know you're willing to you'll drink that. You'll drink of the same pain. But I really don't have the right. No. I would like Jesus to be able to say that about me. Wouldn't you? I would like him to know for sure. He's God. He knows everything. And he knew these two guys were willing. If it comes to dying and suffering, they were willing. They were determined for that place. They'll give their lives. He said, I know you will drink of that cup. I know you will. I would like Jesus to be that confident about me. What about you? What about you? What have you done in your life to give Christ that confidence? Are you on his side? Are you on his side? Christianity is not about just, you know, religion. It's more than that. It's a life. It's a life and relationship with your God that will be sweet or bitter depending on what decisions you make regarding him. Today, I'm encouraging you to make the right decision. In America, something is happening in our country. We are tolerating things that some of the people that have gone before us, they'll think they've had a terrible, terrible dream. Uh, if they had any, hear any of the things that, were hap- that are happening here in this country today. And yet, we just, it's no big deal anymore. Something is happening to us. We need to go back to God's side. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is the day. You can make a decision today. If you have been a believer, but you know you have been walking the fence and acting silly in secret, and you're determined to continue to act silly in secret, there's one thing when you're tempted, but there's a thing when you're doing it deliberately, it's become a part of your life before he's going to kill you. There is a devil. You need to change your ways today. God is giving you an opportunity to change. I'm talking to everybody today. And God is standing here with me today. And God is my witness. I told you today that you must change the way you're thinking. You must change the way you're acting and decide to do right for God. This is a church of destiny. Not because of me. I don't consider me I'm just part of this body. But this is a church of destiny. You are part, we need to walk together. I need you this morning. If you're going to be doing everything to go, it's your decision. I'm not, you're not going to offend me. But if you, this is not just for altar call sake. We got people come, I don't care about that. I do care if you're making the right decision before God because he will honor his covenant with you. 
I need you to make a covenant with God today. That you are going to be on his side. And I'm talking to you. If you're visiting or a special guest. It doesn't matter. You're not just before me. I'm just a human being. A man just like you. But I'm determined that for me and my house. I will serve this God. And if you want to do that. I need you to come join me here. I'm number one. I need you to come here and join me. I'm waiting for everyone. Who's making a decision? I'm going to be on God's side. I'm not holding back anymore. I'm not going to be acting silly. God's helping me. I'm going to still live for God. I'm going to be for God. I'd like you to join me here. We will be the army of the living God. We have decided we're going to follow God. No matter what the people are doing out there, we will serve our God and we will be zealous for our God just like Jesus was. I'm going all the way with Jesus. That's what it is. I'm not playing games anymore. I'm not playing games anymore. I will serve him. I will serve him. I will serve him.
I can, I can uh, feel the pain of the heart of Jesus. Some of the things that we do takes him back where he was with all of that pain that he had before he went to the cross. We cannot forget that. When I was in Nigeria, the exciting thing for me and really thing that was humbling, the first day as we walked towards that church building was one of the very first converts I had for, the, for, for God. I had a few of them, and he was telling me, they are there, they are there, they are there. That was over 30 years ago. And they said to me, the fact that your church has decided to build this, that's told us that there is a God in heaven. We know there is a God. We know there is a God. For you to go up there, and God has kept you all this time and brought you back, and with people with you to do this work, he, he just on and on kept talking. We need to reach out to them. I don't have, I have very little relationship with them now. But I have with every one of you here. God brought you into my life. He knows why. We have a work to do. I am just somebody here. I have my place. You got your place. We have a work to reach the world. And I've decided nothing is going to stop me. Nothing is going to stop this church. Those that God has given us to, that will stay with us, I, I believe in God. We will reach the world. We will, yes, this little group of people, yes. We will reach the world. I want you to believe that with me. I want you to believe that with me. And let's trust God. The resources will be there. I saw this young man preaching, speaking in Sunday school this morning. I can already see him as a pastor in Nigeria. We'll pay him. Yes. Amen. Then we have another church in Great Britain. Many times we are waiting for God to use somebody else. You know? You don't think that you, he made you in the same way. You could have been Billy Graham. Who knows? Did Billy Graham know when he was growing up that he was going to be the Billy Graham? He didn't know. Along the way, he started believing in his God and in himself. Amen? Well, I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to believe in yourself. God can use us. Just a little group of people, yes. With your talent. If you're a builder, you can do something for the kingdom. If you can teach, you can teach for the kingdom. Whatever God's given, put it in God's hand and say today, God, I am willing. Just show me and I'll do it. Amen? Some of us are going to be evangelists. Some of us are going to be teachers. Some of us will just be people to teach Sunday school. But out of you, out of your work, out of your pouring out, will come great people like Billy Graham. And you will be in heaven. When they see you there, they know because you gave. So I am. That word from, was from the Lord this morning. And I pray that you receive it wholeheartedly. Change the way you think and flow with God totally. No holding back. Amen. I'm not perfect. I know that. But I know I have God in my life. Okay.
And there's none of us perfect. I'm not, we're not expecting perfection, but I want to be on his side. And I want him to know I am on his side. Then I have peace. Amen? Let's raise our hands to the Lord this morning and tell him that you are willing. That's what God asks. If you are willing, if I am willing and obedient, I will eat of the good of the land. Father, I thank you, your people. We're standing before you today, all of us. We are presenting ourselves to the Lord our God. We are presenting ourselves to the Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence in our lives. We acknowledge your work in our lives. We want you to make us great for our God. You alone can do this. We surrender today our lives to you. Take over. Deliver us from the things that hinder us. Fill us with the zeal of Christ that we might do exploits on the earth. Thank you, Father. We thank you for your word that you spoke in prophecy today through your Son. We receive that word and we are willing to lift up our heads and to look to the field that is already white for harvest. Put it in our hearts when we should speak and not hold back so that the world may know that Jesus is truly the only begotten Son of the living God who gave his life out of much love, so much love for us, agape love for us, that we might do the same so that we might be called children of our Father in heaven, even here on the earth. Thank you, Father. Bless your people as they go with peace. Lord, remove all of these distractions in their lives. Pour your financial blessings upon them. Pour peace upon their families and upon their lives as they leave. They leave this place. They will not live in your presence. Your presence will go with them. Let the angels that you have assigned to every one of them become active on their behalf, exceedingly active on their behalf to protect them, to take care of their needs and the needs of their children and, and their children's children. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen.